We are so glad to be together again. The holidays were amazing for me. I really enjoyed them. It has been a very packed December for for us. And between trips and family and fun and hanging out, it has been wonderful. And also, it's been very unusual. There hasn't been that get up at a certain time every morning, do similar things, and then go to bed. The routine has been gone. And as much as I've enjoyed the holidays, I'm really excited this week to get back into the routine. And so I'll be coming into my office this week, and one of the first things I do whenever I I enter my office is I pull out the planner because I love my planner. Also, I just bought a new one. It's gorgeous. It took me a long time to decide which one I wanted, but I, 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 I have a planner that I really like, and so I will write out my list. Here are the things I would like to accomplish. And then I'll look back over the list and I'll prioritize the list and and I'll enjoy that moment and I'll get to work. And then the moment I'll really enjoy is when I get to check something off that list. Because I feel such a sense of accomplishment when I check something off. I I think it's just, it gives me this false sense of being in control. Uh, False sense of, hey, I've got it. I've got everything together. Yeah, I don't. But at least I get to check something off that list. I love that. But I hate checklists. I do not make checklists. That's not my thing. Uh, So, you know, I'm the sort of person that uh, I love uh, to start something. All sorts of vision and excitement, and I am ready to get going on something new. But I'm old enough and mature enough to be able to admit now in my life that come about 70 to 80% of the way through a project, I really tank. Like, you know, I get to that point where it was so exciting and new, and I'm almost there, but there's those finishing touchings and the cleanup that has to be done after, and man, it's so hard for me to finish some of those things. We approach some of these things very differently, and uh, that can be challenging, and it can be a real blessing as we work together uh, to, to um, both in, in, in our household and in our career and in church planting and all those sorts of things. What we were identifying as we come to this new year, uh, quite often we do some sort of sermon that revolves around new beginnings, right? It's a new year and everything is new. But the reason we talk about checklists or projects that are still unfinished is really today, tomorrow isn't going to be that much different than today. This next week, we're going to go back to the offices and the careers we've worked for a long, long time. We're going to continue so many aspects of our life. So both on a practical level and on a spiritual level, we want to talk this year as we, as we approach a new year, we want to talk about continuing well, continuing the journey that we've been on for quite some time. Spiritually, we live in the middle. So we live in the middle. And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes we, we refer to this as the inaugurated kingdom, that God has, has come, that the kingdom of God is here, that God is doing God's thing, that we are saved now, and that God is working powerfully that our lives are being transformed, sin is being forgiven, addictions are being broken, and love is being experienced. And yet also, there's this promised salvation that hasn't quite come yet. The the salvation hasn't come to its full fruition yet, to be made completely whole, to be healed completely, to live in a world without brokenness and sin. 
in Revelations chapter 21. I love this description of the future, what is to come. And this is John, he's seeing a vision, and, and, and this is what he, he wrote. He says, I heard a loud voice from the throne say, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. We are confident that God's plan of salvation has been set into motion, that God is making everything new. However, we're still in that middle time. We still live in the middle where not all has been made new. And so we wait for this complete healing and wholeness. We wait for, for holiness and perfection. And isn't it so true? We live in the middle. Uh, a new year approaches, but we know so much will continue from the year previous. Each morning as I drive to the office, I listen to the news, and I hear about a world that God says he is restoring and healing, but is so broken and hurting in so many ways. Here we find ourselves in the middle. And so we ask ourselves today, uh, on the last day of a year, uh, what does it look like to live in the middle? Well, Paul, an author who writes uh, to the church in Philippi, uh, shares these words. Uh, I'll be reading from Philippians 3, 10 through 14. And he's going to talk about goals and goal setting and what it looks like to live in the middle of what God has done and what God will do and where we find ourselves in the present. Paul says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Some of us are thinking about New Year's resolutions or New Year's goals, and I love Paul's goal here, his intention. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Jesus more fully. I want to know the power of resurrection, to be a part of what God is doing, God's mission in this world. This really speaks to me as I think about my life and my focus, what, what I want to do, where I want to be this coming year. I want to be able to say that this is my biggest goal. This is my biggest intention for 2024. I want to know Christ more fully. Mm. He goes on uh, to, to express, though, that though he's in pursuit of knowing Christ fully, he's not yet reached it. He, he finds himself in the middle. And let's be honest, there's tension in that place. To have caught a glimpse of something but not yet fully realized, to have a goal in place but to not yet be there, it's a place of tension. It's a place of grinding, of pressing forward, as Paul des describes in here. 
He says in this, uh, he says, I've forgotten what's behind and I strain towards what's ahead. Now, that's an interesting statement because I think we could easily read into that, that we just need to put the past behind us. But no, the past informs the present. The past informs the future. Again, we find ourselves in the middle, not at the beginning, as though the past didn't exist. Instead, Paul is discussing um, some of his own uh, pedigree, education, privilege in this world. In fact, just previously in this passage, he'd been talking about all the positions of power and opportunities he would have to live a comfortable life in and of himself. And yet what he describes in this text here in Philippians 3 is that I have put those behind me. All, all, all my career and all my privilege and his Roman citizenship that could afford him much more comfort than his claim to know Christ as his risen Savior, all those things that could provide for Paul, he says, no, I've set those all behind me, and I keep in mind the prize of everything made new. I keep in mind the prize that is Jesus Christ. I think it's intriguing to think about uh, the opportunities we have in this world to pursue comfort and our own pleasure and all of these things. And, and we're all drawn towards those things. It is human nature to recognize opportunity and to move towards it. And it's not entirely wrong. However, I think Paul is a shining example of what it looks like to say, there is a cause greater than myself in this world. And so all of those things that bring me comfort, all of those things that are opportunities or privileges in my life are disposable for the sake of what God is doing in me and in this world. I also love Paul's language in here of, of straining towards what is ahead, of, of pressing on, of holding on and looking forward. What does it look like in our lives to persevere? What does it look like to, to continue on a journey that can feel exhausting or challenging at times? I want to read from Hebrews chapter 12. Starting in verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So the author of Hebrews here draws upon this illustration, this idea of running a race. Um, it's been a long time since I could run well. Uh, I don't think I can say I've ever been able to run well. It's not my <laughs> the, gifting, guys. The, my my uh, athletic uh, career through middle school and high school began with cross country, moved to track, and then I ended up doing tennis. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's interesting. And then later in life, it's uh, gone even further. Endurance is hard to come by, uh, I'm finding in life in this season. Um, and so Paul draws upon this very real understanding that we have. We can't go forever, and certainly not at a sprint. And I think many of us probably find ourselves finishing out 2023 at a sprint pace. And knowing it's not sustainable, but not knowing what we might let go of to be able to engage well in this continuing journey that we're on. So I think Paul invites us to consider 
what does it look like to consider this faith journey, to consider my career, to consider this one life that I have to live as a marathon as opposed to a sprint? What does it look like to find a pace in life that is sustainable, a pace in life that's a blessing both to ourselves and our families, but also a blessing to our our purpose in this world? to bring hope and healing. And when we run ourselves so ragged as though we're in a sprint, we just don't have capacity for any of those things. And so as, as Paul begins here, um, he, he says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what he, what he does here actually refers to chapter 11 in Hebrews. And go back and read it this week because it's this beautiful passage of people of faith throughout Israel's history. It tells all these stories of people that persevered, people that pressed through incredibly difficult times, some that lost their lives but did not lose sight of the purpose, which is God in this world. And so he says, we have all these people as examples of what it looks like to persevere in this journey. And uh, he says, so, so what you'll have to do is throw off the things that hinder you, the baggage that weighs you down. We uh, took our kids backpacking for the uh, for the first time this last summer, and Sarah and I went on kind of a scouting trip. We did the trip we were going to do with them um, prior to, and we hadn't backpacked in like ten or fifteen years, and so uh, yeah, we were we were pretty out of practice, and so we threw in a lot of extra stuff in our bags that we thought we might want, and ended up never taking. It's completely out. necessary. <laughs> it at the felt time. very necessary while packing, uh, but here we find ourselves hiking six and a half or seven miles uh, into this lake, just exhausted by the weight of our packs. Well, a few weeks later, we get to take the same trip with our kids. And instead of me carrying a 50 or 53 pound bag or something like that, um, we put all the weight in our kids' packs. And it was so much easier. (laughs) That's not exactly how it happened. No, that's not what happened. No, instead... That is an interesting We're really metaphor. good parents. That is an interesting we? metaphor for how we often operate in life, though. I can't carry the load, and so I push it off on people, and my expectations get bigger of others, right? But joking, I'm joking on that. Instead, we got a lot more intentional on the things that we carried, right? We got a lot more intentional. What are the things that will actually be used, and what are the things that are actually necessary for this trip? And further, we did get to distribute the weight amongst four people instead of two. Uh, This isn't Paul's illustration in this moment, uh, but it is important that we carry the load together. And and elsewhere in Scripture, we find those principles that together we persevere uh, because we can't carry it all on our own. So here's, uh, I went a long time on this. You can cut me off at any point when I get to rambling. Um, But the point that Paul is making is this. We're going to have to let some stuff go if we want to meet uh, the goal. If we want to make it the full distance in this marathon that we run, sometimes you got to let some of the weight go, lighten that load, and move forward with what's most important. And as we throw off what hinders, as we lighten that load and the sin that so easily entangles, we're called to fix our eyes on Jesus, remembering who Jesus is, remembering what Jesus has and is continuing to do. 
And I think this, this, um, this phrase, fix your eyes on Jesus is really important. It's really good advice as we, as we move forward. Um, there's a few teenagers here today. And I was, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking back to when I was a teenager. And, uh, I came back from, from Africa when I was 18 and I hadn't had very much experience driving. And so my dad was teaching me how to drive. And I was pretty much a nervous wreck, guys. I was terrified of driving. And the hardest, thing for me was getting on the highway and passing semis. Like it felt so daunting to pass a semi. And I remember there was this one time I'm just, I'm gripping the steering wheel. I'm so scared. And my eyes were fixed on the semi because I was telling myself, don't hit it, don't hit it, don't hit it as I'm passing the semi. And slowly as I'm looking at the semi, of course, I'm getting closer and closer to the semi. And so my dad gave me the, the time-tested advice. He said, hey, look to where you want to go. Look where you want to go. Don't look at the things that you don't want to hit. Just let that be in your peripheral vision. And, um, and with practice, I was able, I, I can now say confidently that I'm no longer scared to pass semis. I, I do it regularly, so yay me. <laughs> but this idea of fix your eyes on Jesus, fix your eyes on where you're headed, where you want to go. And that's what will keep your focus because there's so many things in our peripheral vision that can distract us, that can derail us, that can draw us off course. I also love in in this passage in Hebrews here, the description um, uh, that says, Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. In other versions, um, it, it'll say, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And as we, as we think about this idea of living in the middle, I think that's beautiful. That Jesus is the one who, who gives us our faith and he will complete all the things that, that he is doing, he will complete our faith. And yet we're in this middle time. And so in this middle time, we're to fix our eyes on Jesus. And it is a marathon and it will require a whole lot of perseverance and endurance and determination. And thankfully, Jesus is right there with us. And we have a community that walks alongside us. So what does it look like to live in the middle? James chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let, per let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Again, we see a description of living in the middle. Consider it pure joy when you face all kinds of trials, that in our life we will face challenges. There will be suffering. There will be pain. And yet know that as we persevere, there is an end to it. And in that end, here James says, you will be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. The, the tension in the middle is real, but so is the ending. I can't help but love verse five. He says, if you're dumb, ask for wisdom. And uh, Is that what it says? Well, he says it nicer than I say it. <laughs> but yeah, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God for wisdom who gives it. And, uh, and, and I think this is a really simple and yet profound point. How many of you uh, drove cars before GPS, before your phone beeped at you and told you 
when to turn to get to where you're going. Yeah, a lot of us did. There was a time that we had to know north, south, east, and west. There was a time we had to know how to read maps. And there was a time that we had to know how to stop and ask a stranger for directions. Do you remember that? Yeah. Were you good at that? Or did you absolutely despise the idea of asking someone for help? Where do I go? How do I get to where I'm going? Uh, I actually loved asking people for directions. It, it felt like complimenting them, like they had some knowledge they could share with me and I could be grateful for. I actually liked asking people for directions. But in general, we're pretty bad at asking for help and specifically asking God for help. We're pretty bad at turning to him. And let me just say, wisdom and head knowledge, those are two different things. You can be the smartest person in the world and lack wisdom. You see, the wisdom that God offers us is about a kingdom that's upside down, that's quite countercultural, operates very differently than the world around us. And so in that, you can be assured we all lack wisdom. We all lack a full understanding of God's intent, what God is doing in the world around us. We all have room to ask God, will you give me wisdom as I continue in this journey? So today is New Year's Eve day. And as we think about ending 2023 and beginning 2024 tomorrow, I know a lot of us are are thinking about being reflective, thinking about our lives, thinking about what we want in 2024, I know I have been, and that, that is such a good thing. I want to encourage us to be reflective, to be self-aware, to spend some time um, thinking through some of these things, and know that the, the beginning of 2024 isn't, it, it's not like it's a clean slate, but rather it's not a brand new journey. It's a continuation of our journeys. And and we take our whole self with us, our experiences and our whole life, and we intentionally choose how we're going to move forward. Yeah. So we ask you today, uh, what does it look like to continue in the journey, in the life that you've been investing in for decades, right? So many life experiences, so many goals, both accomplished and failed, have brought us to the point that we're at in life today. What does it look like to continue well? Here you find yourself somewhere in the middle of your life, each of us in a different place in our careers, a different place in our family life, a different place in our faith journey. And in all of those aspects, we ask, what does it look like to continue well? Are there things bogging me down in my life right now? And that can be good things just invited in excess in our lives, or it might be addictions or real struggles in our lives that that, that we know these things are dragging me down. Maybe today is the day that we say to continue well in this journey, there's some things I need to let go of. Maybe for some of us, it's a journey of refocusing. What is most important in my life right now? And what does it look like to let go of some of the extra so that I can invest in the things that are most important right now? And certainly here we find ourselves, uh, each of us uh, on the day, on on New Year's Eve, uh, sitting in a church service. God has done something in our lives to bring us to this point. It's a great day to be reflective. What has God accomplished? What is yet to be accomplished in this faith journey? And what does it look like to live into what God is continuing to do in this next year in our lives? 
so often New Year's resolutions or goals, as we're thinking about this, they, they're very tangible things, right? Their health goals are very common around this time or, or career goals. And yet I want us, we want to encourage all of us to, to recognize that spiritually we also get to set intentions and we also get to set goals that we're continuing on this journey. That 2024 is just a mile marker, a very long journey, a lifelong journey of walking with God. It's not a whole new race. We get to continue on. And so what would it take for us to have this mindset of we're in it for the long haul? And Lord, I'm here and, and here's what I'm sensing in my life. Here's what I'm really pleased about. Here's what I really don't like that's happening right now. And, and God, even in this, I'm in it for the long haul. Teach me, show me, give me your wisdom that I can move forward this next year and continue in this journey. In a nutshell, the scripture we read today said this about persevering in our journey. Press on towards the goal of knowing Christ more and more. Throw off the sin and the things that hinder in life and fix your eyes on Jesus. Ask God for wisdom along the journey. Friends, we're invited to walk with God in 2024, just like we're invited in 2023, and just like we will be invited in 2025 to continue to walk with God. And we are invited to persevere, acknowledging that this is the middle, and there's some tension here, and there's some things that haven't been made new yet, but we can be confident that God is making everything new. Absolutely. So today we talk about continuing in the middle. I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to take communion in a middle, in a minute, and in the middle. In the middle. In the yes. middle. It's actually at the end of the service. Uh, we're going to take communion. Um, uh, but we're going to, we're going to do uh, sharing communion together, which is really the epitome of continuing, right? Uh, some 2,000 years ago, Jesus sitting at a table with his disciples, he said, break this bread. And, and when you do, uh, break this bread together. Remember my body. It'll be broken on a cross for you. And he said, uh, take this, this wine or this fruit of the vine. He's grape juice. Uh, he says, take this and remember my blood that will be poured out. You see, what we do as we share in communion is continue to remember Jesus. For 2,000 years, the church has continued in the middle before he comes again, uh, practicing this sacred, beautiful practice of, of sharing in a, in a small meal. Sometimes we do it with a full meal. Today we'll have crackers and juice, and we will remember Jesus and his sacrifice and his love for us. Uh, the band's going to play a song for us. Uh, feel free to stand Sharing communion, it's at the back and it's in the middle. Um, and then go back to your seat and stand with us and we'll close out our service in worship. Let's pray. Uh, God, we thank you for this day, for this time, for this opportunity, for the year that has been, God, for all that has been accomplished, and even for that which hasn't been accomplished, an invitation to go again in the new year. God, we continue in our faith journeys, our careers, our families, our relationships. And God, we pray that you will help us in this middle time uh, to continue well, to persevere, to recognize your presence, and to live into the things that you are inviting us to in the year to come. And uh, God, today as we share in communion, God, we continue in this faith journey. 
being reminded of Jesus and his love and his sacrifice, all that has been accomplished through him. Uh, God, Jesus, we are thank you uh, for for, uh, the body and the blood. Spirit, we're thankful for your presence. Invite your wisdom and your presence in our lives in the year to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.